After worship a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to one of the teachers uh, who is a part of this congregation, and I asked how things were going, and she looked at me and she said, it is a law of diminishing returns at this point of the year. And I smiled, I said, the students are more fastened to summer than they are learning, aren't they? And she said, by all means, they are. It is a difficult thing. Summers, um, I have observed, are growing shorter. Have you realized that? And maybe that's why the students are valuing them even more. Summers are shorter than they used to be when I was in school. And I think that's a shame. Those summers were incubation periods in which the critical act of learning was going on whether you realized it or not. August has been claimed as the new start date for school. And here in Bullock County, that is not the exception, but also the rule. And I'm sure there is a lot of research that has gone into suggesting that this is best. But I hope summers don't get even shorter yet. How do you feel on this subject? <laughs> we... We need our summers and the students do as well. In fact, I believe that we risk harming the incubation for learning when we downsize less opportunity given for the mulling over of what has been studied. The gospel as presented in John that has been read for us this morning is a part of a larger sec segment of scripture that is called the farewell discourse of Jesus. He is speaking to his disciples and you will remember that he is in that last supper with them. He has washed their feet and he is sharing with them from his heart words that are essential for them to take in. How much of it they're taking in is to be debated because they seem to not remember at first once the course of the events began to take their way through their lives. Setting up this period of waiting, however, is what Jesus is doing. Not only waiting through what occurs at Golgotha, but also waiting beyond Golgotha and Easter, that resurrection, to be the people of the Holy Spirit. And as they wait, allowing God to do the work of incubation of the Spirit within their lives. We are waiting right now. Seven weeks it is from Easter until Pentecost. And that celebration will be just in two weeks now. As we look with expectation to remember the story that comes around every year with our lectionary readings and with our focus to remind us of that day that the Spirit brew in so strongly with the disciples that they were like candles alighted. And as they spilled to the streets, they began to speak in other languages. 
or it began to be heard in other languages that this gospel of Jesus Christ was afoot. How is it that you find yourselves in this time of waiting? Are you doing so expectantly? Fred Craddock tells the story of his understanding of the disciples at this time of Jesus' sharing the farewell discourse. He says that the disciples were like children, children on the floor at home. When a parent goes over to the corner of the room and takes up a coat and puts it on and then gets their hat and puts it on and the children look up and wonder what's happening. And they begin to ask questions of the parent. Where are you going? You've heard this before, haven't you? Where are you going? Can we come too? What are we to do while you are gone? And who is going to stay with us? You've heard all of those questions before. The nature of a child to look at a parent and to think, how are we going to deal with this now that the one who is to care for us is about to step out of the room? Jesus answers these questions of the disciples who are posing the questions. He first says, I go to prepare a place for you. And in answer to the second question, can we come? He says in these final words, he says, where I am going, you cannot come, but you will come later. And that third question that is posed, what will we do while you are gone? Jesus simply says, love each other as I have loved you. That fourth question that is raised is absolutely fascinating because not only does Jesus answer it once, he answers it five times. Who will stay with us? And in a passage that is earlier in the 14th chapter, Jesus says to these children of his, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you. Forever he abides with you and will be with you. And in the passage that was read just a few moments ago that we are considering today, Jesus says the advocate will teach you everything and remind you. He is your comforter, your counselor, your advocate, your companion, your helper. Such a fascinating thing to think about. Jesus preparing his disciples for that time of waiting. This first verse of scripture that was read today is in response to Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas who asked the question, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him and said, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Do you remember that the disciples were these itinerant few 
whom Jesus had gathered in, but had also sent out. In fact, he sent them out without any place to stay and asked them to rely on the goodness and hospitality of those that they would meet, such as a dicey encounter. Jesus said to them, if you come to a place where you are not welcome, shake the dust off your feet and move on to a place where you would be welcomed. This is just practical instruction. When they traveled about, they depended upon the kindness and goodness of others to include them as a part of their family life. I bet that you've done this, the welcoming in of family, the caretaking of souls who have diminished in health and need someone to care for them. Or it may be that you've even welcomed in an international student or someone who was a stranger to you, that you've opened up your life. It's a risky thing. I had someone just a couple of weeks ago to say to me, if you know of anybody that has a room for rent, let me know because I need one. And I thought to myself, you're asking something that's almost impossible because people don't normally welcome strangers into their house. You and I are cautious, but we have done this very thing. We know what it means to open our lives to others, even if it's just family, extended family. We know what it means to open our lives and to include others. Jesus is saying here, my father will love them. We will come to them. We will make our home with them. Are you making this possible? Do you realize that you and I are most in the business of welcoming God and giving him a place in our lives? I spoke with a man who came who was in need. He had his father with him when he came and he expressed to me what their need was. And in that conversation, I asked, do you go to church anywhere? And he said, we really are not able to. Um, because of my dad's condition, but we do watch the television on Sunday morning and take in a worship service. And he lifted up his finger, he said, and I'll have you know that, that uh, Jesus is in our home. And I thought, this is beautiful. But then I saw a smile come across his face as he began to think a little bit more about what he had said very honestly. And he said to me, he said, he's not always happy to be there, but he is in our home. <laughs> Some of you may have had that experience at your house too, that Jesus certainly would not perhaps approve of everything that goes on there, but that you seek to welcome him. You seek to make him a part of who you are. John Wesley was always talking about this, creating space for God. He talked about piety, which is a word that has gone into disuse. But what he meant by it was, are you praying? Are you reading the scripture? Are you sitting down at table with each other and having family worship? Are you conferencing with anyone else? Are you discussing life from a religious perspective to understand what Christ might want you to do with your time? and with your resources, and with your energy. John Wesley also said we should allow for mercy to work not only in our lives, but through our lives in caring for others. 
And many of you are involved in merciful situations here in this community. I know that because I've seen you busy caring for others. This is all absolutely crucial for allowing Christ to live within us and to be a part of our homes, creating space for God. John remembers that Jesus went on to say, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Everything? Really? Everything? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything? I live here across from this great university and I meet people every day that know so much more than I ever will. Have y'all met Dan Hagen back here? Dan is this encyclopedia of knowledge. Whenever Sue and I see a bug that we do not know, we take a picture of it and send it to Dan Hagen and ask him to identify it. We are surrounded by experts in their field, are we not? This is a part of the grace of being Pittman Park and living in the community of Statesboro, that we are blessed to be next to this great university. But this is not the kind of thing that I believe Jesus is referring to when he says, that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. There is a wisdom that goes beyond intelligence. And some of you have already discovered this great treasure, a wisdom about life, and very specifically about Jesus and what Jesus is up to that should mark the essence of every day that we live. Robert Fulgham wrote a book a few years back that he entitled, All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. These simple little truths, such as share everything. You remember learning this when you were five years old, don't you? Do you remember someone teaching you play fair? A simple truth that has marked your life? Do you remember anyone ever telling you Don't hit people. Our daughter is coaching our grandson who is soon to be two years old, particularly in this truth. Don't hit people. Sue and I used to coach our daughters in this truth. If you hit, you must sit. That was our rule. Do you remember the rule? Put things back where you found them. Oh, if we would just do that. Do you remember the rule, don't take things that aren't yours? Such simplistic ideas, but left to do their work in a willing person, they can do, it seems, almost everything, these simple truths. And you and I need the everything part not just of what we learned in kindergarten, but what Jesus 
is focusing on here. In the midst of telling his disciples who do not yet know that they will be seeing their dear friend and their Lord lose his lifeblood on that terrible cross as he gave every ounce of who he was in order to redeem life on earth and to reclaim it. They could not see at this point in that meal with him that he would be placed in a tomb. They could not imagine that there would be any reason for him to be raised from the dead. They would not acknowledge because they did not know how fearful they would be cloaking their lives away from the authorities in order that they too might not be arrested and carried off unto death. And Jesus is giving them these words and he is saying to them the same thing that he says to us in whatever fear we are encountering, whatever grief controls our lives, whatever trouble occupies us, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. And this is something that needs to be taught and needs to be learned. And the Holy Spirit seeks to do that very thing and to be our helper and our comforter. Peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Is this something we get to decide? I remember one of our daughters when she was young, used to have night terrors. She would scream out and Sue and I would both bolt out of bed and run to hers. Usually she was seated, seated in her bed at this point. But it was like we were not even there. She was staring through us. And it was so frightening not only to her but it was frightening to us because we were like ghosts for her at that point. And we were at a loss to do anything but love her and she would refuse our hugs, our embraces and we would sit through it with her until finally it had faded. It was only the next day that we would encounter her and try to comfort her even more by sharing with her. It was later that I learned that we can control our dreams some of you may say, no, you can't control your dreams. Oh, contraire. I took that college course. <laughs> and I was told, and I have learned myself that this is possible, and I have now engaged in teaching children, and they have learned that it is possible, that you can control what goes on even in your dreams. Jesus said, peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. 
not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Are you willing to believe that even we are still in that learning phase? I hope that you will give yourselves over to it completely and that even in the days to come of this summer that there will be this incubation process going on in you that will remind you that God seeks a home with you and that he seeks by way of the Holy Spirit to give you peace.